0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Direct Xbox number 2. Made it through the first episode. Excited to be here today with co-host Nate the Hate.
1: Yes, excited that we made it to week number 2 and that this is going to be a continuous series for everyone to enjoy.
0: Yes, so I mean we we actually have a lot of Xbox stuff that's happened since the last time we recorded. We had Phil Spencer just show up at Final Fantasy 14 Fest. Like festival, gaming festival they did over there in uh, Las Vegas, and there's a lot of implications coming out of that. We have a uh, discussion around g- quite a few things coming up for a- Xbox with Starfield and the marketing that its appearance or not really appearance at, at Gamescom, Baldur's Gate three with not being at Xbox immediately, uh, an Oblivion remake, Killer Instinct making the surprise return. Oh yeah, and we actually played a, we played a game too, uh, Payday three. So. There's there's a lot to go over, and then we also have questions for the bonus show that will follow up where you can find out more about that at spawncastnetwork.com. So a lot, man, a lot to go over here. Let's where should we start? You know, we're gonna I think we're gonna start with the Square Enix stuff because this was such it was such a big thing at the time when it happened. I know it was technically what, like uh pff, oh, two weeks ago or something at this point. But it's it's something that I feel like is going to I mean, it's going to affect Microsoft over the next five to ten years as it is. But this this happened during the Final Fantasy Festival. A lot of people get together, especially as as we noted, Final Fantasy 14 fans. And in this case, Phil Spencer randomly appeared on stage after being introduced by Yoshi P. And the announcement is that Final Fantasy 14 is finally coming to Xbox. This has been in the works for a long time. It was described to have some roadblocks, especially by uh, Yoshi P at one point and Phil Spencer, them trying to work all of this out. I guess they were able to. And alongside of Phil Spencer and Yoshi P was the, was Square's new CEO just started at that position specifically. What a couple of months ago or something. And, I mean, first we can we can talk about the Final Fantasy Fourteen thing, because this this is a big deal, right, Nate, to see fourteen finally going there.
1: Yeah, it is a big deal because this dates back all the way to the Xbox three sixty. So we're talking well over a decade at this point for the game finally to be delivered on an Xbox platform. And as you mentioned, there were a lot of obstacles, there were a lot of roadblocks that had prevented Final Fantasy Fourteen from coming to the Xbox systems and They finally cleared all those problems, and we're going to get a meaningful release of Final Fantasy XIV when it comes to Xbox early next year, where you can play through the entirety of the campaign, and I believe it's, what, two of the expansions for free. And that's a really meaningful gesture by Square Enix to commit that amount of resources and such to this release, and it's definitely a major, I'd say, tie turn. In terms of the relationship between Square Enix and Microsoft, because I know that had been a discussion point. For yeah, the... what was
0: what was up with that? And how come this was the whole mm-hmm. thing? People people thought Microsoft and Square Enix like hated each other, and then Phil Spencer shows up.
1: Yeah, and it all felt as though it stemmed from Pixel Remaster skipping mm-hmm. the Xbox at launch, where people saying, "Oh, this is the sign of a bad relationship." And if you go through some of the, you know, support that the Xbox has received from Square over the last few years, I could see where some are walking away saying, man, Square Enix really doesn't deliver all their goods to the Xbox systems, but it's still got a fair amount of support. Some of the games that had bypassed the Xbox were simply cases of Sony or Nintendo having secured a timed exclusive, and other ones, like Pixel Remaster, at least for day one, I think it was just a business decision of We want to get these games out on the PlayStation and the Switch platforms. We know the games are going to sell meaningful, and then we can revisit the Xbox version a little later down the line because the Xbox isn't exactly the most friendly ecosystem when it comes to these retro old style RPGs. It was just a business decision at the time, and they'll easily make the money back if they decide to port the games over. But it never felt as though Square Enix was deliberately shunning the xbox systems as some of the reports and i guess you would say conjecture online would suggest
0: well i was confused because over the last if we just go back a year uh i mean square did have a lot of releases on the xbox some i wouldn't have expected i mean they had like stranger of paradise final fantasy origin that was on the xbox chrono Mm -hmm. cross the radical dreamers edition that was on the xbox Uh, and
1: i mean they had a lot of game pass support as well you had final fantasy Thirteen, You had that trilogy come to Game Pass. You had Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 all come to Game Pass as well. So there, were, there was definitely indications that they were working together. I guess it really just came down to why isn't Final Fantasy 16 here or why isn't Final Fantasy 7 Remake on the platform after the Sony contract had expired? And still, that can just come down to a business decision, or is Sony continually writing a check to prevent the release?
0: So, I mean, if you look at, again, the, for, if you go to the end, like the last quarter of 2022, so last year, Diofield Chronicle, that was an Xbox release, Star Ocean, The Vine Force was an Xbox release, and Crisis Core Final Fantasy Seven Reunion was an Xbox release. So just in the holiday mm-hmm. season last year, they had three titles come out on the yeah. Xbox
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people really focused on Pixel Remaster again, and the omission of Octopath Traveler two because Octopath Traveler one did come to Xbox and Mm -hmm. it came to Game Pass day one when it happened. Right, and that was a curious release because it has not come to the PlayStation line of platforms, which did get the sequel. That's where I
0: think, to my understanding, I, I think it's because with the Game Pass deal, they had a company port that game, didn't they? That was like a weird release, yes. I thought, where it's not like, oh, Square just showed up with a port. They had like right. somebody else ported or something. That's why it's not on playstation it's, it's very weird, that situation. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah,
1: I think it was a situation where Microsoft may have come in and said, we want this version of the game. We will fund the development of it for Game Pass or the Xbox release. If you guys aren't interested in doing it yourself in-house, we'll fund the development and you find a port studio to handle it. And that may explain why it's still not on the PlayStation line of platforms. But, I mean, Square support does feel as though it is turning that tide and Final Fantasy 14, or at least FanFest with Phil Spencer, Yoshi P, the new CEO, I think was a very strong and powerful statement that Square and Microsoft are willing to work together. And I think we're going to see the impacts of this new relationship be felt almost immediately
0: yeah I it's gonna be interesting to watch how this continues to unfold with with this support and also it's gonna I mean it's gonna add more people into Final Fantasy 14, which is what Square wants and Microsoft wants this live service game this this incredibly popular MMORPG on their system. so it, it seems like it makes a lot of sense for all parties involved. but with this new do you think it's because of this new square CEO that's what people are theorizing all of a sudden he shows up and now they're shaking hands on stage.
1: These type of deals usually take a few months to finalize. You have a long negotiation period. You have to have the talks. I think it's just a coincidence in terms of timing. I'm not gonna say the new CEO hasn't maybe expedited some of these plans, accelerated them to make it a reality, but I think the discussions between Square Enix and Microsoft have been ongoing, dating back to the prior CEO. But let's say this new relationship blossoms. The new CEO is definitely going to say, Yep, this was me. I cultivated this. We worked together with Microsoft to make all this happen. Now our revenues are up. We're releasing more games on more platforms. Sales are, you know, increasing. So I go back to it's just coincidental timing. And Microsoft and Square Enix have had ongoing discussions for several months now, dating potentially even into late last year.
0: You think it's a? I mean, do you think this is something that Square is looking at as? let's let's hedge our bets let's make sure everyone's on the on on the same page here with this because final fantasy 16 is out now i like got that's done they're going to do more work to it i'm sure they'll probably they'll do dlc i'm sure and all that right to try to continue selling more copies but eventually they have to start thinking about final fantasy 17 and there's no guarantee in my mind there's no guarantee that sony's going to write that kind of a check again you never know that game's right. not coming out for another 6 or 7 years let's be real it's going to be a minute but right there's a chance that might end up having to be multi-platform and they probably want to have Microsoft on board with, with that as well. Not that Microsoft's going to come in and fund the whole project like Sony did, but you know, you want to be in their graces and start building up that rapport for a potential big time release on the next Xbox series and, and the PlayStation six. Cause I mean, if 16's out now, be, oh, it might be like 20, 29 <laughs> or 2030 for Final Fantasy 17.
1: Yeah, it does feel as though part of this move is that they wanted to appease all three console manufacturers and unless sony or nintendo is coming in with a check and securing a timed exclusive or preventing a release coming to another platform i think we're going to see the vast majority of square enix projects moving forward coming to the xbox and i think they're going to go through some of that backlog of games that haven't come to the xbox like pixel remasters and we're going to see them come to xbox and game pass Potentially in the very near future. And if I'm Microsoft, that's exactly what I want to see happen. I would love for them to go into something like Tokyo Game Show and say coming to Game Pass later this month is the complete pixel remasters. We have Harvestella. We have some of those other games that came to Switch as a timed exclusive or PlayStation as a timed exclusive, smaller tier things. I'm not talking Final Fantasy VII Remake type stuff, but you know, like the Saga games, the Mana games those types of things, bring those over to game pass as quick as you can. And people are going to stop and say, okay, this relationship is real. What they talked about at fan fest is serious and Microsoft and square are invested in this. And now Xbox fans can look forward to, you know, potentially a really healthy relationship between the two companies. And again, unless square is signing a deal with Sony or Nintendo, I think the vast majority of games will be coming to the Xbox moving forward.
0: Okay. That, that'll be something to keep an eye on as we get more announcements from Square Enix, uh, but definitely something to, to follow. And Final Fantasy 14 is set to release in 2024 on the Xbox series, 4k support. It's like the faster load times and other features and benefits taking advantage of the newer hardware. So uh, ex- hey, exciting times for Final Fantasy 14 fans, new expansions coming up and whole bunch of people hopefully about to join in from the xbox side so and we'll see how this continues to play out as we get more games and stuff announced from square enix and maybe like you said some of those game pass drops at tokyo game show even is that that Mm -hmm. is that the next that the next event to keep an eye on for the square enix xbox relationship Um, you think
1: i would say yes just given the japanese nature of the show and you know square enix and that being one of their key audiences. I don't think Gamescom necessarily would be the venue I would choose mm-hmm. if I'm Square and Microsoft to showcase that this relationship is going to be moving forward. So I would go with Tokyo Game Show out of those two, but I guess, you know, in theory, they could opt for both of them if they really wanted to. And hey.
0: X- Xbox had a pretty good, uh, pretty good presence at last year's Tokyo Game Show, if I remember correctly. So this, they could follow it up again this year with like you said, maybe those smaller uh, announcements from Square just going directly into Game Pass. That'd be, I think, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that would speak well to that audience, which has received the Xbox fairly well. I mean, the Xbox isn't doing major numbers in the Japanese region, but when they have stock, they do, you know, tend to sell it. And if you get that legacy of Square support on the platform, maybe you move a couple thousand units that week in Japan and you show some momentum. And that's exactly what Microsoft wants to do this year and it feels as though they are moving in a more energized direction especially over the last couple of weeks
0: so let's let's move over to some of this Starfield talk nate because this is this is the big game coming up for microsoft i mean it, if you can look at it as the biggest game i mean in a lo- i'm trying to think of a bigger game when was the last time we had one of these massive titles released for xbox that would be like generation defining because um, this is i mean this is it right here for him
1: I mean, generation-defining, yes. I don't know if we've had that moment yet, unless we want to say Forza Horizon 5.
0: But even then, you know you know how people look at those games. It's a racing game. It's not a game of the year contender, all that stuff, right? I mean, this is a game that people have huge expectations for in Star Wars. And it's Bethesda who, I mean, they Bethesda should be angry right now. They should be out looking to prove themselves after what happened with Fallout 76 and all this. So I I have high expectations for this as well as I think many other people do. But it came up that it's not going to have any kind of playable demo at Gamescom. They're going to have like a like a theater showing I believe for attendees. Now, it is worth noting that this is going to be like a week before early access, so it, and mm-hmm. obviously press will probably already be playing it and stuff anyway for review. But still, it's it, it is interesting that one people have asked about the marketing for this game and why it's been kind of sparse for such a big title and two, why they wouldn't try to have some sort of playable slice of the game for people at gamescom. It is there an issue here for Microsoft? Should, should they be pushing this game more, whether it's in uh, on TV on ads for YouTube, basically anywhere they can for gamers.
1: I mean, right now from this minute of recording, we are th- Three weeks from early access beginning. Are you aware Starfield is coming out? No, I didn't know it. No, yeah. I mean, obviously. I, I, we had this right.
0: we had this thing with um, Zelda, right? Where Zelda, there was exactly. like no real marketing for it. Everyone was like, what's going on with marketing? Mm-hmm. What's going on with marketing? And the game came out and like exploded and, in sales.
1: Right. I would say, I think people, their concept of time is warped due to our 24-7 news mm-hmm. cycle that they don't seem to really recollect that we had a 45-minute deep dive right. just over a month ago. It, it does. It feels like that was a long time. Doesn't that feel like it was a while ago, though? It does feel as though it was a long time, but it wasn't that long ago. I know. And the majority <laughs> of fans who are interested in Starfield, they know they're getting the game day one. Like, yes, there's going to be that casual audience that you still have to market the game to, and you have ample time still to do that. They released the animated shorts on YouTube, which have millions of views, so that reached an audience. And as for Gamescom, not having a playable demo. We don't know how easy the game is necessarily to demo. How much? What would you show people? You're not going to show, you know, the customizations options for your character. So you're just going to drop them in a planet where you can explore. You're just going to put them in space and say, uh, "Go around this." Yeah, this sector is, of the solar system. This is a and, hard game to demo, well, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, it's an exceptionally hard game to demo. And that's why I think a a theater presentation with a trailer of whatever kind, just to generate some hype, is more than enough. And I feel as though the only reason Starfield's marketing is under attack right now is because San Diego Comic-Con came, we got a new trailer for Spider-Man 2, and all of a sudden, everyone was sitting there saying, well, how come Microsoft isn't making Starfield an event? But they had. They had done so in June. We don't need to market games six months in advance anymore like when you and I were younger where we would pick up a copy of EGM Game Informer Next Generation magazine and be plastered with numerous print ads there was like a lagging game.
0: effect back then you're right where mm-hmm. the magazine would be made three months or something before we would even be able to see it on store shelves and it, there was a lot going on trying to sync up that timing whereas now they click a button that says go live and we have it in front of us like minutes later
1: right and like the twitter account is active there are buses in some regions that have a huge starfield ad so the marketing is out there like yes it maybe it maybe they haven't begun the television ad campaign which they only have to begin really 10 days in advance of the early access period they don't need to go any further beyond that and i think it's just that people are looking for something to critique the game with right now because they feel as though it's It's a bad faith argument. This isn't coming from the Xbox circles. It feels as though it's coming from external circles who are just arguing for the sake of belittling the Xbox leading up to its major release for the generation.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Do you think uh, we're talking about advertising? Do you think, for example, we see a commercial for Starfield on opening night for the NFL? That's on September 7th, so the day after it comes out. I'm just saying, that seems like a good spot. I'm just wondering if I'm going to be watching that game and Starfield's going to pop up as a commercial. You know what? I'm going to say there will be a Starfield commercial that night.
1: I feel like I'm having deja vu. There's going to be a Starfield commercial. (laughs) I'm having deja vu. Weren't there rumors of Starfield at the Super Bowl?
0: Was that Were there? <laughs> I think so. Oh, man. I think, I think that's a good spot. Hey, drop it there. Spend the money. If they've been saving up this whole time and that's their big push, that's probably one of the best spots they can drop it. There you go. Starfield commercial. Play it now. You know what? You don't even need the Xbox. I saw that Samsung ad, and that was the whole thing. Like, the big catch at the end was, you don't even a console. You just you just start up the gaming <laughs> hub app right now on, on the, your Samsung TV. Mm-hmm. Go ahead
1: and do it uh right there simple to the point and i mean yeah we could potentially see it at that first football game but i'm gonna say in those last two weeks of august we're going to see a significant lead up to the early access period mm-hmm. because even those with game pass you and i included you have to admit there's there's a bit of a temptation to pay that was it 30 dollars to get the deluxe version yeah a week early yeah Yep. Because it's sitting right there. Like, do I really want to wait a week to experience Starfield? Everyone else is going to be talking about it, but I can get it on Game Pass. But for only $30, I can play it a week early. I can dive in. I can be part of the day one conversation. And we saw how well this worked for Microsoft with Forza Horizon 5, where they had well over a million people pay into the early access period. Starfield is probably going to eclipse that easily.
0: I hate the early access period, by the way. The game's ready. Just launch it. The game's ready. I mean,
1: you're not wrong. <laughs> it's you're not wrong.
0: It's but... ready to go. Uh, I mean, they've been, this has been a thing for so long. Uh, but I, either way, I, you're right. There's going to be like that FOMO of everyone's going to be playing this game. I, I want to play it now. I'm going to spend $30 on top of my Game Pass subscription. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's uh, it is. There is that question of how much they have to advertise the game itself. Or can they just advertise the service with the game attached to it? but I feel yeah. like if you have a game like Starfield, you parade that thing out constantly. Look, look, Especially if it right. gets the reviews, if it gets something in the 90s, I mean, there should, there should be Starfield everywhere. Starfield, Game Pass, everywhere, yes.
1: right? And that would start up once those reviews do drop, which, sure. let's say, it would probably be the week, a few days ahead of the early access period. So that's what you're going to make those TV campaigns all about. You're going to have... 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. ign 9.5 game spot 10 out of 10 game informer you want to do that review accolade type of trailer where you just hammer in this is a game of the generation incite pc gamer so people see the trailer and say whoa we need to
0: come up with a catchphrase so we show up in those things we do we did. Hmm. Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll our rating will be worth the download there you go
1: worth the download. worth the
0: download spawncast <laughs>
1: That doesn't, no, that's explodes towards
0: them.
1: it <laughs> it's a little better than that
0: <laughs> uh, all right uh I, you know i i think they're going to be fine with starfield when it comes out I, I would like to see a little more advertiser why not why not they they should be confident well, yeah. they should be confident
1: throw but, out the throw out the advertising money But you see to counter that aren't they already advertising with the headset the controller
0: yeah, I guess they kind of are,
1: but it, there has been that type of marketing. It just feels as though people want to be bombarded with a new hype trailer every week. And I really think it comes back down to that Spider-Man 2 trailer at Comic-Con. Had that not happened, I don't think the conversation you know around Starfield marketing would be You know what's
0: interesting, though, loud. Nate? I, I swear, I, I see sometimes these companies can go too far with the advertising, and people Final don't want to see it anymore. I was going to say Deathloop. But sure, you could say sixteen where where people just don't want to see it anymore. So there's is, there is this tightrope of how much do we show before it becomes overexposed. So it's Death that's Loop was tough.
1: overexposed. And you and I said it when Deathloop finally came out and we got to play the game. None of the marketing did the game justice. No, nah, it, it It wasn't what I thought the game was going to be. And to Final Fantasy 16's point, by the last by the time the game finally came out, I was overseeing media. I was ready to just go on a, you know, a blackout. Right. I'd seen enough of the game. I knew I wanted it. And I have a feeling Bethesda is approaching the marketing of Starfield in a very similar way. We showed you an hour of gameplay. You have seen the trailers. If you have interest in this game, you already know you're there day one. We don't need to sell you on it. And that's going to be millions of individuals. The people we have to convince will do in those upcoming weeks, 10 days before launch, and then throughout the duration of September, and then again leading into the holiday. They're going to do this very calculated. Maybe it will mirror what Nintendo did with Tears of the Kingdom to a certain extent. But I'm not concerned about the marketing at all. Those interested in the game know it's coming.
0: Well, we we know it's coming, and we will be talking about and covering Starfield when it gets here, hopefully on the lead-up of launch, too. So hopefully we'll be in there with the early access or maybe even uh access before that but we will be uh we'll be talking quite a bit about starfield so i am yes i am very much looking forward to, to getting my hands on this finally mm-hmm. being able to experience bethesda's next big single-player rpg it feels like it's been a while since i've had
1: that so it's well yeah i mean we're going back to what skyrim well we had fa- i mean we had old. fallout
0: we had fallout 4 and i don't really count yeah. fallout 76 because it is that multiplayer experience but i this to me i feel more hype for starfield than i did for fallout 4 as weird as that sounds but
1: yeah cuz i think starfield could be the skyrim of the generation where it's going to redefine the genre where you're going to see a lot of games look to inspiration from starfield in terms of game design moving forward and if the game can deliver on that front this is going to be a release that you know it's just going to resonate for years to come so this is definitely a title i want to get my hands on i want to Dive into it. I want to explore space and I want to see what the game has to offer and see if it lives up to all of the anticipation and hype that it has been building up to for the last several years.
0: Let's, uh, let's, Nate, let's move over here. I do what I want to do right now is I want to take one of the questions that we had for the bonus show, okay? And I, I just want to answer it here so that people know that you can. Ask questions for these bonus shows over on the Spawncast Network. If you go to spawncastnetwork.com or patreon.com/slash-spawncast, we do bonus shows every month for the different shows, and we answer any questions you guys submit. Let me. I'm going to go to. I'm going to go to Brandon Wells. They ask, I listened to your last episode about getting rid of paying for online. I don't think that'll happen because a good amount of people only play Call of Duty. So I think that tier is for that group. What do you think? For online play with Call of Duty. Okay. I I still believe hmm. that Microsoft could find other ways to get people to pay for a subscription service outside of just barring online play. And uh, I you're saying that there are people who would pay for it just for like one or two games, in this case, call of duty. And there are people who have an Xbox and a PlayStation. They buy maybe two games a year. One's call of duty and one's like a FIFA or something. Well, now it's what FC now. And I get what you're saying in that regard, but I just, I, the idea of still paying for online play is annoying. And I, I'd like to see Microsoft figure out Mm -hmm. a different way to get people to pay for these things outside of that personally.
1: We well, see, the curious thing about the question is, if they removed the barrier for online play, but future Call of Duties are part of Game Pass, wouldn't those individuals who only buy Call of Duty maybe consider subscribing to Game Pass to get Call of Duty for free, especially all of the Call of Duty games being included in Game Pass potentially? Wouldn't that be enough of an incentive to have them subscribe oh. to the Game Pass service if you remove the online pay barrier?
0: So that ah oh, okay, so I see what you're saying. So the incentive would be, hey, Call of is just mm-hmm. here every year anyway. It's your Call of Duty subscription, basically.
1: Exactly, and oh. you know, if Microsoft could maybe parlay that into some other means of gifting Game Pass, you know, certain perks. I would. You could do the betas like. Month, the Call of Duty beta.
0: You could be like, hey, if uh-huh. you're a part of Game Pass Ultimate, you're just you're in the beta. Just here's one more to happen.
1: Or, you know, once the Sony marketing deal expires, maybe if you're the game, if you're a Game Pass subscriber, you get the multiplayer maps first.
0: I think there's also the idea that game streaming will get better and better over time, and that is part of Game Pass Ultimate and if they open it up to games you already own and things like that, that could become enough of a reason for people to subscribe as well alongside of the library of games. I just think we we need to get to a point where there is no more paying to play online, especially if Microsoft wants this to become one big ecosystem. I just don't understand how you can have a, a section of customers on PC not pay for online and then a section of customers on your console the people who have bought in mm-hmm. exclusively to the ecosystem have to pay for online. It's, just, it, it's very strange right. because they're always going to be segmented then.
1: Right, and that's the thing. That's the problem Microsoft has to solve for. But I think they can do it. And I think once Game Pass subscribers hit a certain threshold, let's say 40, 50 million on Game Pass Ultimate, I think that's when the pay for online ceases to exist.
0: I'd like to see that day. So I hope it comes this generation. That'd be nice. Let's let's go over to and you. As I mentioned, that was a question. Thank you for uh, for Brandon Wells, and we have a bunch of other questions that we'll follow up on in the bonus show that we will upload exclusively to the uh, the Spawncast Network. So check that out there if you want to support the show and have your questions answered. Let's let's go over here to Baldur's Gate Three. So Baldur's Gate 3 seemingly has found its way to having, at this point, three different releases. It's already out on PC to, I mean, ridiculous reviews. It's sitting at at the time of this recording, a 97 on Metacritic, uh, but it, it's already out now on PC. It's going to come out on PS5 September 6th, and then it's going to come out on Xbox later. We don't know when, but I, I'd like to think it's going to make it out this year, so it could be a month or two later, October or november somewhere in there it'll come out um, but they did give some reasonings for this and this has once again brought up the question around microsoft's approach to this generation with not only two SKUs but two hardware configurations so according to larian over on their own subreddit they explained that a a technical issue has arisen around split screen co-op and it's come up that it appears to be the Xbox Series S that was maybe extending the development time of this game behind the scenes. Whereas, say, the Series X version uh, would be ready to go with split screen. It's the Series S that's uh, that's tripping them up a bit right now, which means it's going to take them a little longer, and then it'll come out down the road. I assume they have it working, but there maybe are frame rate issues or something there that have to be smoothed out just through more polish and, and QA. So... Mm-hmm. The, the question, of course, comes up around the Series S and if Microsoft is going to run into more problems like these down the road throughout the rest of this generation. We're almost three years in. Uh, apparently, this is going to be up until 2028, according to court documents, at least the anticipation of this generation. Five more years of the Series S. Will this become a bigger problem, do you think, Nate, in the next two or three or four years even?
1: My initial instinct is no but I guess it's going to come down to the projects and what exactly is the problem specifically with Baldur's Gate 3. Is this a CPU issue? Is it, is it just a lack of resources and time at Larian where so, they don't have enough members to right. handle the S version in a reasonable amount of time? What's really the obstacle at play here?
0: So I've had, I've had this discussion before with... Uh... MVG, this was a while ago, we did a video on it, and he said, I, I believe he mentioned one of the biggest things that was kind of a problem with the series, S, just when it came to development and figuring it out and making it work, not that you can, it's just, oh, this is different, we have to spend more time on this specific SKU, was the memory configuration, the RAM, so it's like 10 gigabytes, but 8 gigs okay. is set up for the game, 2 is uh, dedicated mm-hmm. to the OS, that sort of thing, which obviously 8 half of what's available um, on the other platforms with the ps5 and the uh, xbox series x so i could see i mean split screen having an issue with that it kind of it kind of makes sense when you consider it that way because the cpu in the series s is clocked and basically the same just about as the series x
1: right see so let's say the issue is confined to the co-op split screen Mm mm-hmm I'm going to pose this question to everyone listening. They can comment in the comment section below. What percentage of individuals who are going to play Baldur's Gate 3 on a home console plan on utilizing split screen co-op? Because if it's not going to be a meaningful percentage, let's say less than 5%, I think they should have patched in the feature at a later date, release it day and date with the PlayStation version in September, And just say we're working on patching in the couch local co-op split screen option to the Xbox versions when we can. And I think depending on how you relate that messaging, I think it would go over fine. Yes, you'd have some people say, oh, they're releasing an incomplete game. How dare you do this? But I really am genuinely curious how many people would be utilizing this feature because I just can't envision it is a high number.
0: Yeah, I, I, you might be right about that. I, my my thing is, if they did that, would it just be the Series S version that would be patched in later, or would it be the Series X version as well? Because apparently Microsoft right. has this parody clause where mm-hmm. if you're releasing the game, it has to be the same on both SKUs, the Series S and the Series X.
1: I mean, I guess with the parody clause in place, you would have to do both versions. But, you know, there's always ways you can get kind of permission If they went to Microsoft and say, hey, we can have that feature up on the Series X, it won't be there for the Series S. Will you allow us to do that? And Microsoft was flexible and said, yes, but you have to, maybe you have to guarantee you can make it happen on the Series S, let's say within three months, just as a time frame. Mm. Then I would permit that. Now, if you're going to come in and say, we really don't know when we can make it happen. Do you consider just releasing the game on the Xbox line of platforms with that feature omitted because is it is the feature meaningful enough that people would be upset by its exclusion
0: that is a good question because remember with halo that was a big thing people were not
1: happy about that people weren't happy about it and it came down to the xbox vcr and people said well you should have just scrapped that last gen version to start with
0: yeah, pretty much. And but that's that's where we are with the Series S cuz right. at this point people are looking at it like, oh, the Series S is actually holding back the mm-hmm. an Xbox release.
1: Yeah, in terms of time-wise, you're right. And I mean, I guess that's what it comes down to. Is if they can release this game on the Xbox line of platforms within a reasonable time window. It yes, it posed an obstacle, but it was solvable. So it didn't really hold the game back that much. It just required a slight delay. And again, it comes down to what type of resources do they have at Larian? How many developers do they have on the Series SKU Mm -hmm. that they're working towards solving this problem? Because if it's a minimal amount, then yeah, you have to allocate additional resources to make this happen. If Microsoft could have sent in some external help to aid them and speed up the process, maybe that would have been something they could have considered. But I don't think bigger studios that have considerable resources at their disposal, tons of developers that they can then bring in from external partners and such would necessarily run into this problem. And I believe it was remedy who did go to Twitter and said, yeah, the series S does pose some issues. I found that curious because they were saying this yet. Alan Wake 2 is going to release day and date right across all platforms. Mm -hmm. So how big of an issue did you actually experience? if you didn't have to delay your Xbox version any, or was it just a case of, we do need a little more time on the version, but it's not that significant of a problem. It's not as though they're downporting a Series X game to something like the Nintendo Switch, mm. or you know where we of Doom Eternal take, what, an extra... It was a while. People thought it was canceled for a minute there. <laughs> yeah, it took almost a year to come out. We're not seeing those types of timetables here. We're seeing maybe three to six months. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it just comes down to... I mean, I'll, I'll keep harping on it. If the feature isn't essential to the game, if it's not going to be used by the majority of players, patch it in later, release the game day and date, and patch in the feature later. Because mm. I really want to know the percentage of people who are going to utilize this feature. Because if it comes in low, Larian may have made the incorrect call here. <laughs>
0: Sure. I can, I can, I can see that, but also, you know, I think you're right when, when you mention Microsoft, maybe should have, it, it sounds funny, but gotten a little more involved on there. And once they, I mean, maybe Larian wasn't, didn't communicate it to them that they were mm-hmm. having that kind of an issue. But I mean, this is a game that I'm sure Microsoft's looking at now, like, Oh, we, we really should have been there for this one. Cause you see oh, the yeah. reviews coming. I mean, this is a game. People mm-hmm. are like, this is an incredible title. I, I understand. Yeah. I've, I've played it. It's, it's not lining up for me just because i'm not a big dungeons and dragons person but if i if i'm a big dungeons and dragons person this might be the, the my, my favorite game of all time like it has that kind of detail and quality <laughs> to it so microsoft might even be kicking themselves a little bit because they're i the ps5 release is going to come out i'm sure it'll do well they will eventually get it it's going to launch again and you know what i wouldn't be shocked if larian looks to move it to like the nintendo switch 2 or whatever nintendo they do they get another launch out of this thing um, yeah. i think this is a game that's going to sell really well for a long time
1: mm-hmm. i mean that's going to be the thing if microsoft potentially knew about it earlier they could have aided with better documentation to f- try to figure out and solve some of these problems because they definitely do do that for development partners Of yeah. what are mm-hmm. you experiencing due to the ram issue or the cpu graphics or whatever okay, we're going to try to figure out and configure some solutions for you so you can speed up the process or make this easier on yourselves. And, you know, there's that rumor out there as well that Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 will be coming to Game Pass. It yep. hasn't been announced yet, so we don't know if it's actually going to come to fruition. But it shows that Microsoft definitely has interest in this IP, and they would have loved to have boulders Gate 3 day, 3 day and date with the PlayStation 5 version. So it's definitely a curious situation, and... They could be working
0: to help them now, though. I mean, we don't know. It's possible. But it. you feel like if they had been aware of how... Like, I wasn't... I mean, I'm sure people who were playing it in early access were like, this is going to be the greatest game ever. I wasn't expecting them to show up with a 97 on Metacritic. (laughs) No.
1: This game... I don't think this game was in anyone's game of the year conversation until it launched. Well, then...
0: the community manager said, "Oh, I, I, you know, I was, I, I'm, I'm getting all the stuff together for social media, and I was letting them know about a hundred thousand concurrent. Expect that to the developers and stuff who have to help maintain, you know, all the the, the cross gen stuff, all of this, and they get hit with eight hundred thousand concurrent players on Steam, so, yeah, so they weren't I mean, even expecting it.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's telling. And to revisit the Starfield marketing topic." How much marketing did you really see for Baldur's gate 3? that's a
0: good point that's a good point that's a good point <laughs> record
1: record breaking over here and that's you true you can really point to anything outside of that censored trailer that they showed of the bear hey <laughs>
0: it's their mascot hey. i got everyone
1: talking the bear romance scene there it
0: is there it is uh hey and, uh, Baldur's gate three like i said for dungeon dragons fans you're gonna have a great time with it so but They'll they'll hopefully have it out on Xbox before the end of this year, and uh, they hopefully get that Series S situation solved. Doesn't hopefully it doesn't pop up too much more as we go forward. Let's talk about let's talk about this. That this is this is an interesting story that I I have some questions about the sourcing for this, but it was a hot topic and it would absolutely have to do with Microsoft because it's one of their IPs now, and that's the Elder Scrolls. This though being Oblivion getting a remake. Okay, so backstory. This popped up on Reddit Gaming Leaks, and I saw it as soon as it went up. And in real time, I saw it get pulled down because I had gone back to the page later on to get some more (laughs) notes, and it was gone. I was like, what happened? So I had to go around. Unfortunately, some people had screenshots of it and all of this, but apparently they were able to confirm, this being the mods over on the Reddit, that this person had employment at some point or was part of Virtuos and they just leaked all of their different projects that were in development. They had code names the whole thing. So while there were uh what four other games, we were mostly focusing in on Project Alter, which is an Elder Scrolls for Oblivion remake that they're attempting according to them to launch end of 2024 to early 2025. They mentioned that it would use a combination of Unreal Engine Five and Oblivion's engine, which I believe is Gambrio, that being the foundation for Creation Engine that it would eventually turned into. Uh, I, it's it's curious that they would pick out Oblivion to remake again. This is virtuos, uh, virtuos has done some good work in the past. I think they're going to do some more good work with something like Metal Gear Solid Three remake. But Oblivion is that is Oblivion the one you would go to?
1: No, but...
0: <laughs> what would you go to? Man. Because I thought of Morrowind right away. I'm like, why is... Why aren't they yeah. remaking Morrowind? Because Morrowind needs help. Like, if you play that game right. now, it's it's tough. It really is. Like, that's... that's <sighs> they were still trying to figure out the 3D combat and all these things, and it's... Mm. You go from Skyrim to that, it's like, wow, they've improved massively. I feel like you go to Morrowind, there's a lot there with the lore, the world the characters, and you just, you fix up mechanics, you make it more modernized, you put it in a a Unreal Engine 5, if you want, and it becomes a whole new game. Whereas I still feel like Oblivion holds up a bit.
1: That might be the reason why they chose Oblivion, though, Mm -hmm. is that the amount of work necessary is minimal. So they can, you know, they can churn this out rather quickly. And it's funny that this rumor had sprouted up because last June, when MVG and I were doing our Xbox Showcase predictions, one of my predictions was an Oblivion remake.
0: Oh, Nate's, Nate's feeding the info early. That was a year and ago.
1: It was something I was hearing at the time as being shopped around. I was never certain if anyone had actually secured the project. But it was something that was going around. So that's why I was like, oh, I'll throw it in as a prediction. Well, at the time, we also didn't know it was only going to be a 12-month show. So... <laughs> It was like, ah, eh, we'll throw it in there for fun. If it's there, it's going to be hilarious. And all of a sudden, this rumor pops up. And I was like, oh, Virtuous, huh? Like they're the ones who ended up with this, with this contract. That's interesting. And the timeline generally matched what it was sounding as though they wanted something out quick, because they want to give it that buffer between Starfield and when the eventually we'll get a new Elder Scrolls game huh. in, you know, twenty thirty someday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. It's an interesting project if it does end up coming to pass. And I would say it's really probably chosen as this is the least amount of work we have to do. It already has HD assets. We can retouch the environments, retouch the character models, leave the core game identical. Basically, a Metal Gear Solid 3 Delta situation. (laughs) Keep the structure, keep the foundation identical, and just build up visuals.
0: What do you think about the the engine? Unreal Engine 5 and still oblivion's game brio engine you know what i thought of yeah. when they mentioned that i was like i wonder if they're gonna do that thing where you can switch between the old graphics and the new graphics on a well, like pressing a button mm-hmm.
1: that was my first thought too oh, God, is yeah. that it's going to be something similar to halo anniversary
0: mm-hmm. yeah you'd hit a button Very... or or that golden eye mm-hmm. game that ever came out
1: yeah that one that you can emulate <laughs> the good one <laughs> see, yeah the good one not the one we ended up getting oh gosh but yeah they could go that route and i mean if the timing is the only thing that makes me a little suspect because the game had come out in early 2020 uh early 2006. originally was supposed to come out at the xbox 360 launch in 2005. so we're not quite at that 20th anniversary but if it let's say it came out in 2024 Mm -hmm. they could still market it as a 20th anniversary re-release of oblivion if they wanted to no one's going to argue a few months in terms of semantics because they can use it as a big hype moment of do you remember when this game came out and it change the rpg for the home console so maybe that's one of the reasons behind it it's just that 20th anniversary sweet marketing that helps sell so many copies of select games
0: let's face it these half the time these development process takes longer than they're expecting anyway so it it could be end of 2025 by the time we see it and then it's basically a 20th anniversary but that's uh i i'm a little curious about how they were able to confirm this person's identification (laughs) because nowadays it is easy to fake these kind of things even like uh a badge that says you work there
1: i don't know (sighs) that's yeah you kind of need your own point of reference of what what do these what does this company's business card look like what does their business badge look like right what does their pay stub look like so you can look at and say okay we can confirm that you did in fact work for the company and without knowing their vetting process It's hard to say what that individual went through to be vetted by the mods over on Reddit. I'm not going to doubt that the mods did their due diligence, but there are some people who will go to extreme lengths to claim that they got, you know, verified on a website and gave fake information just for a laugh.
0: Sure. Well, I will find out in like a year and a half. So there you go.
1: Yeah. I mean, eventually, if it's real, they have to announce it eventually.
0: I think that'll be a pretty big announcement for them if, if that is a thing. So, good way to fill in the the gaps too between that and Elder Scrolls Six and twenty to thirty. Let's let's talk about a, a game you were really excited for, Nate. Like you got you were you were hyped up over there. Killer Instinct out of nowhere. I mean, no one expected this. Killer Instinct is making somewhat of a return. And this was in a tweet that was posted on their their account saying our friends at Iron Galaxy are back and together we're bringing you Killer Instinct's free 10th anniversary update later this year, including a balance update, improved matchmaking, and 4K support for the Series X and S with more info coming soon. Uh, Iron Galaxy also quote tweeted it saying the band is back together. Stay tuned for Killer Instinct updates in the near future. Uh Did anyone... I mean... Anyone expect this? It, it, I know it oh. kind of coincided with Evo, because you know a lot of fighting game stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't. I didn't see anyone who was like mentioning this leading up to this at all. Because Phil Spencer and Matt Booty had been making the rounds in interviews saying they were trying to find someone who could do Killer Instinct, but really they've only had Double Helix and Iron Galaxy work on it, and Double Helix is like an Amazon studio now.
1: Right. so
0: it's uh, them and Iron Galaxy. Iron Galaxy had uh, what was it Rumbleverse or something and that got shut down earlier this year so Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder if that freed them up to come back and do this
1: yeah they likely had nothing else to do and they were looking for a contract they were looking for some work and there's Microsoft saying hey want to work on Killer Instinct? They're like yes we do
0: hey shout out to Rumbleverse (laughs) (laughs) making it happen
1: (laughs) killer instinct comeback and and killer instinct we talked about it a little bit in the first show but killer instinct on the xbox one was a fantastic fighting game the only issue i ever had with the game Mm -hmm. was just the rollout of content because i'm in i'm that one individual who just wanted a complete edition that i could go to the store buy have all the fighters all the stages and i get you know they did the season releases that now is an industry standard especially for fighting games but the game's mechanics, the character, the roster, everything is just sublime. It's a fantastic game that didn't get the love and recognition it deserved. And now, if it can, 10 years later, I hope that it does. I, I also hope that this is a commitment for That's the, the question. forward. That's the I question. Say-
0: is this a one-off date? What is this?
1: We know that they were shopping Killer Instinct around, so I wouldn't be surprised if we are going to get a brand new Killer Instinct game, whether or not it's from Iron Galaxy or another fighting game external partner, you know, that remains to be seen. But I think this bodes well that we are going to see a new Killer Instinct potentially this generation, and that Microsoft is utilizing those old IPs in their catalog and they're willing to, re- you know, revive them because this is a game 10 years ago now that. Not many people talk about, though they should talk about it. It's such a fantastic fighting game. And with Street Fighter VI, Tekken, all the fighting games really in a renaissance, Killer Instinct deserves to be in that conversation. So, I mean, here's the the obvious
0: thing right now. They have Iron Gauss coming back for this. They... Probably messed up a bit with Double Helix because obviously Double Helix came in, got built the game really right, and then Iron Galax kind of continued it with the updates. This feels like a game where you need to have really a reliable developer that can consistently work on it going forward. If this isn't just a one off,
1: right, you need yeah, you need a partner who can commit to the game that. If you do the season type approach again that they are willing to work on the game for three four years however many seasons you really want to do and then when it's time for a sequel that they're they're available so by going to an external partner you definitely put yourself in a precarious situation of are they going to be available if we want a sequel in five or six years right and that's where you would love for it to be an internal development studio to handle it but when you look at microsoft's internal studios they really don't have one that is well equipped for fighting games well, this so,
0: this to be honest, I mean, this seems like I, I'm not sure what else Iron Galaxy has necessarily going on as, in terms of live service Line up
1: for an acquisition.
0: This seems like if Microsoft is serious about Killer Instinct, this is a more strategic acquisition. Whereas when they buy someone like Activision Blizzard, that's more like we're just gonna we're just gonna own all this stuff now. This feels like one that makes more sense uh-huh. in order to have a serious future with a killer instinct right right? that's that's just the way i'm viewing it i know there's been a lot of pushback on the acquisition stuff when it comes to the big publishers but with someone like iron galaxy who clearly is able to create a killer instinct and and they want to have killer instinct Uh double helix got picked up by amazon while they were doing like after the killer instinct stuff they probably could have been around to do the seasonal updates but they weren't available then
1: yeah, I think an acquisition like if let's say this is a tryout for Iron Galaxy mm-hmm. and they perform well. And Microsoft decides we're gonna acquire you. It's not gonna cost them much money. This is essentially the equivalent of when Sony bought Housemark. Yeah, exactly. It's not gonna cause much much of a stir online. It's gonna be like, oh, okay.
0: Pretty much. That's, nice. That's the way I'm cares. looking at it too. I mean, they helped out with Metroid Primary Master, they helped out with Last of Us Part One, but for the most part, they are a studio who is good at doing the remasters and and, and helping mm-hmm. out support work on remakes and stuff like that. And then ports, obviously, they've done some pretty good work right. for the Switch. So they, yeah. they seem like they would be the ones to come in and just take over work for maybe even a brand new Killer Instinct.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that'd be a good fit for them. And again, if Microsoft can come in and get them for a fairly cheap price... I think I would consider acquiring them and just having them be available for these types of projects. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I mean, hopefully this is a sign that Killer Instinct is going to be a new you know, staple in the Microsoft roster and lineup moving forward in terms of software because they can turn this into that iconic fighting game for their platform as it should have been during the Xbox One. It just didn't reach that tier for whatever reason. But now... You know, here's that second wind. Mm-hmm. This is your chance to do right with it. Make it an event. Make it a spectacle for the Xbox brand. That killer instinct is back. And if you want a fighting game, we will deliver it. Because right now, Street Fighter is pretty much the premier fighting game on the market right now. Unless you want to go into some of the more character based fighting games like Dragon Ball Fighters and We
0: got Tekken coming like... up. Tekken's coming. Tekken's coming. Yeah, Tekken.
1: <laughs> Tekken actually looks great.
0: I. I think the way I look at it is Microsoft partners with Iron Galaxy again, but if they get word that someone's coming in, maybe sniffing around to pick them up, like what happened with Double Helix, you got to make the defensive move, kind of like Nintendo did with Next Level, and just and just pick them up.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you Just have to come in and block them out.
0: That's basically how I would look at it for now. Keep the keep the ear to the ground though, Microsoft, because you actually have a you have a studio now who can do Killer Instinct, so don't don't lose that. Let's, uh, let's, we're going to finish up with our thoughts about Payday 3 because Nate and I, along with MVG and RGT, we did play some of the beta, all right, and we weren't sure if we were allowed to talk about this at first because they had some very ominous warnings when you turned it on uh, about sharing information, but then you go on their website and they're like, oh, you can stream and do whatever with this. So I, I'm i not really sure how all that worked, but as far as I can tell, we are, we are good to discuss some of our thoughts on the beta for payday three this is heading into game pass next month i think it's on like the 21st i have to double check the exact date i believe it's the third week in september though and after playing the beta i am i'm am very excited and hopeful for this game the only issue i had with the beta is it gave us one scenario and one level and that was mm-hmm. it so yeah i i don't really know what else the game holds right now necessarily <laughs>
1: Yeah, the beta was definitely, it was a little thinner than I was expecting from a beta that was multiple days. I thought we would have had at least two different map types. Like, yes, we could have have played it on multiple difficulties, normal, hard, very hard, ultra hard, realistic, whatever the naming conventions are for the difficulties in the game. But my main curiosity with the beta was just to see how did the shooting and movement feel? Because Payday 2 on consoles was very stiff and luckily this feels like a modern first-person shooter it was very smooth very fluid didn't have any issues with aiming um ai of the characters were they were a little dumb like you could yeah kind of i mean gone out on a security who's staring at you be like oh you're going to shoot me. My my biggest thing was the
0: shooting mechanics. Though you're right, because if you play Payday Two right now on the Xbox, they have it on Game Pass. It is painful. Uh, it's it's locked at thirty. The resolution, I I don't I don't know. It's I don't know if it's HD or not. It looks pretty. looks looks SD almost with the with with, with how it looks currently, and it it's it's not a great shooting experience. I'll say. I know Payday. The idea is at times to get in and out calls the heist without getting caught. But sometimes, yeah, things break down and SWAT teams are storming the building and you got to start firing back. So at least in this case, it was a more enjoyable, accurate experience with the shooting, which is great because that was one of the biggest things I was hoping for was a more modernized control set and feel Mm -hmm. to the game. I was kind of annoyed with uh, really the path, I guess, for what they gave us with that bank because it felt like we were always just trying to disintegrate or or basically burn our way through the ceiling into the vault i would have liked to have had more obvious ways to do different things to get in and i i know there's ways you can do stealth uh stealth paths and all this but it was never obvious for like the four of us who were running around in there
1: yeah i mean there's definitely going to be a lot of new opportunities of how we approach situations even that mission itself will probably approach it a different way in the full release but as we've been saying Really the concern going in was just how is the gunplay mechanics going to serve? And they serve fantastic. It's definitely a game that if you are a first person shooter fan, you can come into. And you know, minor nitpicks here and there about be it the AI, just a general mission structure. You know, we can't use it as a harsh critique. It's a beta. We really don't know what that is right, you know, illustrative of. But I think the core felt good, and I'm definitely going to be checking it out on Game Pass next month even though you know we'll still be deep in starfield at the time but this is going to be a nice fun squad based game Mm -hmm. just to enjoy in some leisure here and there and depending on the variety of mission types which again wish they kind of demonstrated a bit more in the beta i think the game could have a nice long-standing
0: you we had we had skill trees for the different characters, so you can pick the, basically different classes. Like there are some that provide ammo. There's medics, uh, and then your weapons also level up separately depending on how much you were using them. We didn't get a chance to really go through it much because it that we they weren't really trying to give us a lot of experience necessarily to go through the trees. And again, we were playing the same map over and over and over again. But yeah. I do see different character builds and setups for someone who's more stealth-oriented versus someone who's more run-and-gun. So I, I'm i looking forward to the game. Again, it's going into Game Pass, so we'll basically download it and try it out either way. But based on the life that Payday 2 had, which was pretty good on PC, people were, are still playing that now, um, I, I am seeing a an evolution of that game. I'm hoping we still have a a hideout that we get to build up and all of that, because that, that was pretty fun. Uh, they just had a ton of progression in that second one that I'm, I'm hoping to see more of here. So Mm -hmm. just got to get to that release.
1: Yeah. Like ideally some of the things that we did experience in the beta aren't exactly what the full game will replicate. Like using the thermite to burn through the floor took way too long and then when we were outside waiting for the getaway car that we called in why did it take five minutes for him to finally show <laughs> up we're just shooting a SWAT team in the middle of the street where i think at the end of one match we had killed 94 cops
0: there's one guy who was like a literal tank walking down the street
1: <laughs> yeah he remember he beat me up with the baton he, he beat you to death yeah yeah no one came to revive me i was just laying there after he beat me to death and I mean, if had we known we could have shown the game, you would be seeing footage on the screen right now.
0: Yeah, we would have recorded it. But
1: yeah. It warned us that we couldn't talk about it, record it, stream it, or do anything. But yeah, you would be watching some of our gameplay right now as you listen to this episode on YouTube. But we'll know better. Come oh September yeah, 1, we'll, we'll get some footage for this one. Yeah, yeah I, I think you, fail or succeed.
0: If you have some friends, I think this could be a good time. Find some people to play with, and it's on Game Pass, so we'll promote kind of that. I guess that higher population for the multiplayer because if you're in Game Pass, you download it, jump on and try it out. But uh, I I like the gameplay loop in Payday 2, and I think this one is going to replicate that and then some. So I'm excited for what it's – I'm not expecting a super deep storyline or anything like that. I just just want that cooperative shooter where we pull off heists and build up our characters and, and our hideouts and stuff. That's all I'm looking for.
1: Yeah, just looking for some fun and try to do some cool stuff with robbing mm-hmm. banks or offices or whatever the environment the game decides to give us and see how Sean will probably fuck everything up.
0: <laughs> only have the jewelry store level where we go in and just smash all the glass with, like, pickaxes and run off with jewelry. That was that was a funny one. You could complete that mission in, like, 30 seconds. You just run in just start bashing in all the jewelry display cases and just snatch and grab and get out of there.
1: Yeah. Uh, Payday Three might be a Patreon video Ooh. where we where we play as a squad, and you'll have Sean yelling at the people, "Get down!" That get might down. be it. Yeah, Sean was getting re- he was
0: getting real personal with some of those NPCs. <laughs> yeah,
1: poor bank teller was just like, "Do you want a lollipop with your withdrawals?" Shut up! Yeah, uh,
0: that's uh, I'm looking forward to. it. We'll have covers of that game as well, so it'll be a good time. Uh, but that is that's everything actually for our second episode of direct Xbox we're now through two episodes so I get it's it's officially a series now Nate Oh, officially a series and a series. I'm, I'm, hmm. I'm excited I there's a lot coming up for Xbox so I, I think this is gonna just get more fun as we go along
1: so. I mean we, yeah next episode we'll be able to talk about some of our thoughts or predictions for Gamescom if Microsoft is going to surprise us in any way and and we'll be right on the cusp of Starfield Lies of P payday three forza motorsport there's a lot coming to xbox in the next couple of months and it's an exciting time to be talking about them
0: yeah all right well thanks everyone for joining us again we'll have a bonus show up on the spawncast network so make sure you check that out and we will see you in a couple of weeks as nate said we'll be talking about some of our predictions for gamescom and we'll see you guys then